another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me, as always, is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, sir? I'm doing good, Jody. How about yourself? I'm feeling pretty straight at the moment. Yeah? Yes. Something personal you want to tell me here? Uh, chiropractor <laughs> adjustment yesterday got me back to like feeling like a human again. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Good for you, man. Love Good for you. That's yeah. awesome. Yes. Yeah. We're going to jump right in, I think. Sounds so let like me, it. I'm going to ask you a question here. Okay. Why do you buy a new piece of gear when you do? Be honest. To fill an emotional black hole that only this <laughs> little piece of gear is going to fill. No. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, did the uh, the Brainworks SSL 4000 cure that for you? It did for the mix that I'm working on. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. Good, good, good. It yeah. made you so happy you had to go to the chiropractor. Yeah, because I was getting twisted. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, that, that, I'm being a little flippant on that. Uh, generally, sure. there's two reasons why I might buy a new piece of gear. Well, mm -hmm. maybe three. One is as I mentioned, to fill an emotional black hole. <laughs> Two, maybe I have a piece of gear that's futzing out and I need a new version of it and I need to uh -huh. replace it, so I'm going to get something for that necessarily. And then the third one is, damn it, I just want it. Right. <laughs> that's how that's I That's kind of like the first one as well, right? Well, yeah. Sort of. I mean, an emotional black hole isn't really, damn it, I just want it. It's kind of like, oh, I feel like, oh, if I don't have this, I'm going to be depressed for the next 10 years. Yeah. And that hole never gets filled because we keep buying new shit, right? Yeah. But it's an interesting point, I think, and we're, we're obviously making light of it. But if we're really honest about ourselves, there are a couple of reasons why we get new stuff. Mm -hmm. And possibly they're not, not necessarily – hang on, I, I'll answer that question in a second. But the reality of why we buy stuff doesn't necessarily line up with why we should be buying stuff, right? Yep. So, I mean, you mentioned that you're, something might be – not working for you anymore, whether that's obsolete or you just have a different need, mm -hmm. right? And then yep. we upgrade. The other part is we just want something. Mm -hmm. Let's face it. I mean, I have a huge problem with amp sims. Yes, you do. <laughs> I, more I than I more, do. Yes, and I, have I a do. Pretty bad and problem. It's just, oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah, I can have that. And I see myself using that. Mm -hmm. And I buy, I have more than I need, way more than I need because, uh, you know, we've talked about ad nauseum about knowing your gear and more often than not, it's learning how to dial that thing in, right? But sure. I like them. I have my latest problem that I'm starting to develop is like <laughs> channel strip console plugins. I didn't help this past week with that either. You did not, but it was such a stupid deal. I had to go for it anyway. Yeah. So. Thank you, Plugin Alliance, for that one. Took yeah. money out of my pocket and Chris's. Yep. Yes, they're good at that though, aren't they? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. You know, if but, I were to make light of thinking that maybe I had Zuckerberg money uh -huh. and things were certainly of no object in terms of cost, I have to think that I would start collecting really ridiculous items like RCA ribbon mics and original Fairchild compressors, things so that cost you, the entire car or house right. at this point. <laughs> You'd be Blackbird Studios, is what you're saying? <laughs> Something right? like that nature, yes. Top shelf, everything? Yes. That's my black well, hole. Well, 
we have to be honest with ourselves. And I, I'll fall on my sword. I'm no better than anybody else. But when I see something new and shiny, I'm like, ooh, that is cool. And Cow. if that coincides with a little bit of a need, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm buying that. Right? Cow. So, Cow? <laughs> it's a road trip thing to get somebody to stop talking about something you yell out cow because there's a cow in the field or something nearby okay. and they suddenly stop and they look out the window to see what you're looking at so that they stop talking sorry is that my cue to shut up now? no that... i was just uh, trying yeah. to get you to never mind right move on all right what i was gonna say that what can come from this is a little bit more on the serious topic mm-hmm. is that we try to use every piece of gear in every project that we do. Oh, I disagree with that on my end, but you're, you go right ahead. Right, but I'm sorry, it, but it is one of those things that we, oh, I just bought this whatever it is, mm-hmm. and I should probably use this on every mix that I do from now on. Well, where, if I look at it from an instrument standpoint, the most okay, recent instrument, instrument that I actually purchased. Uh-huh. Ooh, that sounds awful. Um, it does sound awful. It sounds awful in the way the mic's set up for me to just be talking. Anyway, sleigh bells. You can't put sleigh bells in every damn song. That just isn't going to no. work. <laughs> right. No, but it's a little bit different in the software world, though. Yes. Because, you know, we think, oh, cool, I just got this new XYZ kit. So let's try to use it on this mix. Mm-hmm. Let's try to use it on the next one as well. And it, it might not be the right tool for the job. So I, I think we need to keep in mind, or I would advise people to keep in mind, that when you buy a new piece of gear, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to use it in every project moving forward, especially if it has a function. I'm sort of only half joking here when I say, well, I have way too many amp sims, right, for my own good. <laughs> yes. But I do have some of them that are strictly function-based. If I'm doing like a heavy like guitar, like a metal type of a thing, I have a couple that I would reach for. Like what? The Angle Savage okay. 120. That the, just sounds uh, metal. It is. <laughs> just from the yeah, title. It, right? Yep. And the other angle, I really, really still like the um, Angle Retro tube head that they have. That, that I love that thing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like legacy software now, but that gets a lot of use. That points me in that direction, right? Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily go out and even if it was a screaming deal, it's like, hey, get a emulation of a Roland jazz course because I don't do that kind of music. Have you ever distorted so, a Roland jazz course though? Is it possible to distort a Roland Jazz course? Well, yes. Well, if you put something in front of it, sure. Yeah. Well, no, but why would I do that? Because you can. (laughs) Or at least (laughs) I have. (laughs) But that's a different topic entirely, I think. Sure, but that's getting gear and using it just because I have it. (laughs) Which you're not supposed to do, technically. Well, my point is that there are probably better tools equipped for that. Yes, there are. So that's sort of like the overarching thing here I think we should talk about today is where the temptation is to kind of force every new piece of gear that we get into every mix that we do or any production that we do. Right. But But the uh, question you have to ask yourself at that point is, is this really going to improve my workflow from using this new piece of kit? Exactly. And if the answer is yes, then absolutely. That's, Mm. That's why you got it, right? 
get that thing in there and you don't have to perhaps do all the other steps that you were forced to do if you're trying to do and the sugar track and all you have is that rolling jazz chorus and <laughs> you're trying to put every distortion pedal in front of it. It's just not going to work. But then if you get something else that's more appropriate, then yeah. That's, so you what you're saying is I job. need to add Sleigh Bell to our intro theme. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That would be maybe for the Christmas episode, right? Maybe we can maybe. do that or not. I think it's just the temptation to do that. And I don't think it's necessarily good. So we have to, I guess, ask ourselves, why are we buying a new piece of gear, mm -hmm. right? And something to keep in mind as well is, and this is also really, really tempting, but just because there's a new version of said piece doesn't mean that the one that you have is obsolete. Yes, it does. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> we were kind of discussing a little bit ahead of the recording of the podcast where it's like, I have a project coming up where I anticipate I'm going to make a radical amount of gear acquisition. Yeah. <laughs> and at that point, some of my current gear, I'm going to revert to older OS version of it so that I can actually go back and reload an old instance of the OS and say, okay, this machine is now relegated to that OS because the virtual system is not working. And that's frustrating. Mm. Yeah. But then you would be addressing a need, right? So it's like, yes, okay. that is addressing a need when I do that. Yeah. And it's I'm not like, that okay. the old one is technically obsolete. It's just that it doesn't run on the new shiny thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's what you have to do. Like computers and stuff and OSs do, for better or worse, they go through a certain life cycle. And it's not like they do become obsolete, but it's just that it stops you from upgrading from a certain point because mm -hmm. either the physical components can't handle it or the OS is too demanding for the processor that is in there. Yeah. So, Thank you, Apple. Thank you yeah, for that. Well, yeah, Apple has, has always been brutal with that, though. They just go forward. It's like, no, this is what we're doing. Yep. Seven years people, and you're done. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I remember when people were losing their minds. People were losing their minds when they got rid of the floppy drive, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, I know we're going back a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, they've always been good with that. It's like, no, we're not going to do um, optical drives in the computers anymore. It's like, right. what? You know, yeah. So well, what about anyway. you? What is another reason why you know that you bought a certain piece of kit? I'd like to pat myself on the back and say that it was because of upgrading something, but that would be an utter blatant lie. Oh, okay. That's the goal, right? If I'm upgrading something, and I have gotten a lot better about it. I, I really have. There are certain things I have weaknesses for, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that is AmpSims is top of the list. And that's like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is so cool. And uh, because I'm my first instrument is guitar. So that that's just where my head is at. But there are other things that I have gotten a lot better with in that regard. And the main component there is like keyboards mm -hmm. and synths and particularly soft synths. Right. And. Right. There are so many things that come out that just look absolutely amazing, right? But then I think about my level as a keyboard player and my level as a patch programmer with the flexibility that we have with everything in that field at this point. Do I really need the newest sampler instrument that can do all of this where I could just use an old one and perhaps throw a bit crusher on it and get the same result, you know? 
You know, so, for some reason, as you were telling me this about your synth yeah. thing, an image of listen to what the flower people say uh, just popped into my head and I'm like going, oh, man. (laughs) Wow, we just had a spinal tap moment. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, What made you think of that, though? Because that's off the rails, man. It's like (laughs) I wasn't talking about anything like that. I I don't know. It just popped into my head as you were saying that. And I was thinking just when they start doing their little ah, 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 ah moment in that song. And it's like you get a shiny new piece of gear and it's like, ah, ah, ah. Moving on. Yeah. Let's say, for example, that there are – I mean there are many – valid reasons why we buy new pieces of gear and Uh we upgrade stuff all the time. And it could be, you know, we're upgrading an interface or you're upgrading your monitors and all this kind of stuff. Both of which I've done. Yeah, I think we've all done. And probably 90% of the people that might listen to this have probably gone through that journey, right? But I think what is really, really detrimental Especially when we're starting out this journey, let's say that we're putting like our little home studio together and we want to get into whether you're a beat maker or you're singer songwriter, whatever it is, it's easy to fall into the trap that unless you have the shiniest, newest, biggest, baddest version of whatever plugin, you're not going to be able to do your job, right? Or, or do the job that you're setting out to do. Would you say the same about sound cards? Yeah, because I just literally spoke about that before we hit record. <laughs> yeah. How I'm like, I want the update to my system. Yeah. And it's like, but it is, do I but, need but, the update to my system? No. But is it shiny and new and probably sound just like a half percent better? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But for, for in your case, being a, you know a UA user, you will push that piece to the limit, right? With the processing power and the chips and all this kind of stuff. And there'd probably be added functionality that you make use of. Oh, but believe it, me, I have pushed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's not going to make or break you, right? It's no. not like, oh my God, if I don't have this, the next production I do is, is going to fail, you know? Oh, but it will. So, <laughs> maybe. But... But I think that's a trap that we fall into. And I know, you know, it's all, all less. I, I remember, I mean, this goes back a long time. But when, well, when plugins really started happening, you know, with like waves and everything that were starting to come in and actual plugins started to sound good, there was a time where you basically try to get everything because it added a, a tool that you could use. Sure. Right. But there's such a saturation out there now that. Do you need every SSL emulation that's out there? Do you need every 1176 emulation that's out there? Just to be and, on SSL's side? Yes. Just yeah. to be on UA's side? Yes. <laughs> sure. Right? But As long I mean, as they're for, official emulations. Yeah, but, but it also, again, it's like you and I have talked about it before. If you feel like you can't do a mix because you don't have the right console emulation, the problem isn't your console emulation. <laughs> you know, and well, that, that was Adam's that, thought too, right? Right. It might sound harsh, but it, then we have to examine our skill set a little bit and see, oh, if I only had the latest focus right, whatever, then I could finally do this. Mm-hmm. I was like, eh, it's probably not the plugin. 
You know what I mean? It sounds a little bit like a buzzkill kind of episode here, but these are questions that we need to ask ourselves. And I think we're better off for it in the long run. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. But then if you have the ability to pull some strings and get a good deal on it because the company is being favorable upon your person, why well, not take sure. advantage? <laughs> yeah. Well there, well, there is that, right? But then at least be honest with yourself and don't tell yourself, oh, if I only had this. And it's like, yeah, it's a great deal. Yeah, I wanted it. I just wanted it. Mm. I want to have it. And, and that's fine. But don't pretend that is any other reason than that. Right. So. Well, since we're sitting here pretending, let's take a word from our sponsors. And we're back. What are we doing now with this whole gear thing that we've been like going through in terms of like buying it for various nefarious reasons? Well, let's say that now we have all the gear that we definitely have in our plug-in arsenal or physical domain or whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? Let's think about using the right piece of gear for the job as okay. opposed to trying to shoehorn in the new piece of gear that we got, right? And what would be something that you would shoehorn? Well, let's just say that, shoehorn? well, again, obviously content dependent here, right? But let's say that I just now got myself an 1176 with sidechain capabilities. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. Do I really need that in every instance? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, but I mean, but those are the kind of questions that I would ask myself, mm -hmm. right? So have it's you ever side changed an eleven seventy six? I don't think so. I haven't either. Maybe yeah. I'm missing something here. Well, maybe. I mean, I I think the the idea there would be like, well, in the digital domain, we can make anything happen, right? So it's probably less of sticking to the original beyond the the way it treats the transients and the actual compression and stuff, right? Yeah. But now, like, okay, well, let's add functionality to this, and I think also the. Uh, was it the MC77, the purple 1176? Because it's more. Get it. Um, <laughs> I, thought you, I thought that was the 78. No, you're thinking of the um, Pulse Audio. Pulse Audio. Yeah, th that's the one that has like the side chain and stuff. But, but, okay. but the, the uh, Plugin Alliance one, the purple, it's called the MC77. Ah. That has the same functionality. And I think it even has like mid side compression oh, that's that it can nutty. do. Well, that's what I mean. That can be like the temptation of, oh, let's see. Now I have to use every 1176 as a sign mm, chain. Shiny new thing. function mid-side with right. 1176. Right. Is it always necessary? Yeah, probably not. But, you know, or it could be like, let's say, you know, I just got a great granular modulator there. It's going to mess up my audio, right? And I had great success in that. And trying it out on some synth pads or whatever. Are you right? going to put it on every single one? That's definitely a temptation, right? It worked last time, so let's do it again, right? Oh. But while we have all this amazing flexibility, I think it's important, again, just to think about, yeah, you have all of these tools at your disposal. Just know when to use them. You pick the right task. What about you, though? I mean, I'm doing a lot of the talking here, but have you ever done that when you got something new and shiny and it's, Okay, I'm going to use this on everything right now. Yeah, I just used a sleigh bell on this particular podcast. It sounded awful, but I used it. No. Yeah, but you don't always use it. You <laughs> no. know, so no, but I mean, be serious. Have you thought about Is there anything that you've kind of found the temptation that, okay, I have this, now I'm going to do that? 
Yes. Yes. When I picked up the Apollo system and I got the 8P. Uh-huh. I did it for a specific purpose. And I still use it for that same kind of purpose every day. And that is, is I was tired of plugging and unplugging instrument cables from the interface. Like, oh, I'm going to record bass now and get back there and switch out the plug in and change the you know, cable. and blah. So what I have done is I've got cables that run around the room from mm -hmm. the interface that are for one for the bass, one for the guitar, and they've got their own channel. So I kind of went overboard for the needs at the time is to have individual items plugged into individual inputs. So there was no need to go in and start like patch baying kind of stuff. This input is for that item. That's what it's used for. I did that as overkill because I had so many inputs. It's like, this is what that input is for. It's not changing. Okay. That seems like a... That's a practical way uh, of using what I've got. Right. A valid workflow kind of reason yes, for that. Yes, right? it is because a valid it's like, No, it's, all, it's ready to go. You're going in here and you have whatever set up there. Are, are you using the... Uh, so like the console thing in UA there as well to have certain processing on, let's say that like your bass track, that is all that already loaded up type of thing, or are they? Yes and no. I have multiple okay. presets for things like bass and guitar and vocals and certain mics and everything else. And also when a client comes in and they're recording, I will save the presets that I used as well. So that should they come back, I have a reference point to start immediately without having to rebuild the situation. Yeah. And that helps. Too. Okay. But when you got that additional Apollo, uh -huh. was that to get more processing power or did you have this kind of workflow in mind? Both. 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 Okay. I'm thinking the, the first one mind. was probably. I had the workflow in mind and I wanted the extra power. Right. Mm -hmm. You could probably, but you probably could have lived without the workflow, but you wanted the more power for the processing. So you yes. kind of like got a bonus function out of it. Right. A boner function? Yes. Bonus function. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter, I sir. I got both. I got both out of it. So, yes. So that solved an issue, though, for you on the hardware side. But what yes. about on the software side? Have you ever come across, I'm sure you must have, where it's like, okay, I got this new great flanger or <laughs> whatever happens to be. I'm, I'm going to use it everywhere now. Because I found myself, I know we've talked about this before, but you find yourself doing like workflow things that you just learned about and now you're you're high passing everything up to a certain frequency and that kind of stuff even though it's not necessarily advisable to do those on every track type of thing but yeah. but have you done that maybe you haven't done that and then I'll I'll take my hat off to you well no it would be it wouldn't be as black and white as your kind of trying to ask the question, so to speak. And we sort of kicked it off with the episode talking about using channel strips as a console concept within the DAW. Mm. And that has been a change in the way I build mixes. It has not necessarily sped up how long it takes me to do a mix, but it has certainly made it more simplistic in nature and giving me more time to sit and listen more, I guess is a good way of saying it. And then I need to think out the process of when I actually use 
an additional compressor that's not built into the channel strip or an additional EQ? Where am I putting it? Am I putting it in front of the channel strip? Am I putting it behind the channel strip? And I'm thinking in terms of the hardware version of the workflow in order to use it. Does that make sense? Yes. And yeah. while I wouldn't say that it's been 100% just staying on a particular channel strip for all these mixes that I've been doing as of late, it certainly has changed in that regard. It hasn't changed the fact that I still do crazy weird bussing stuff to right. yeah. set apart my own individual spatial scapes, so to speak, sonic juiciness within doing mixes. But in terms of like loading down channel strips or the DAW with the individual inserts with an EQ plugin, a compression plugin, a, a whatever plugin, a high pass filter plugin, a low pass filter plugin, and the, that kind of thing. And then trying to rearrange the order in the channel on the DAW, I just leave it to the channel strip of the console sound that I'm attempting to push the mix through. And the most recent purchase, which was a few days ago as of the recording of this episode, has to do with the fact that the artist that I am mixing a song for right now gave me an example of what they wanted in the sonic value of it. And while I could probably get it with pretty much any channel strip that I have, and I have probably 10 or 12 of them at this point, which is kind of crazy, I bought that new plug-in or not even, it's not even a new plugin. I bought the 4000E from Plugin Alliance specifically for this mix. Hmm. I mean, I couldn't beat yeah. the deal. <laughs> right. So I bought it and I put it to direct use immediately. So that, right. that's an example of buying it for a need because the sound yeah. that she wanted was of that era of that console, the 4000E. So that's why I'm using that. Right. And I think obviously the changes to your workflow there, I think those can be interesting in the way that let's say that you you said it changed your workflow in a sense, not necessarily speeding it up. But to me, the idea of treating your mix sort of like if you have a console in front of you, mm -hmm. it forces you down to think a little bit more about, or at least for me, it's like it forces you to think about the decisions that you make in a different way, as opposed to just loading up automatically all the plugins that you tend to have there. So it, it, I like the idea of sort of streamlining your workflow and just kind of like forcing yourself to think and listen about it in a different way. And using all these additional colors in your mix, should you need them where you need perhaps an LA-2A, type of compression or an 1176, as well as all the spatial stuff that you do, or if you want it to be more like a pull tech or whatever, mm -hmm. you have that opportunity. Well, yeah, I can uh, forego or I can double up on using a particular EQ or compressor in conjunction with the channel strip. That's fine. But I'm right. finding that I don't generally need to pull those in as often, I guess. Yeah, right. That's a plus. And while I still haven't gone to the neurotic stage of like I'm using the API for my acoustic guitars and I'm using the 9000J for my drums and the the Helios for my vocals or something of that nature I I haven't gone that neurotic with it yet. So. Yeah. Do you foresee yourself doing that though? Maybe. 
just to yeah. try it. Right. But there again, it may be t- to wrap up this subject here today is that there it comes back to what we did the very first episode. We're talking about learning your gear. Yeah. Right. And listening to what the processes that you're doing is. What does the EQ sound like when I do this? And what is the compression, that everything that might be included in this, let's say, channel strip plugin that we're using right now, right? Mm-hmm. And then using supplemental stuff when the need arrives, right, to do other tasks. Yep. So It's getting more it, old school in that thought process for me, which is kind of weird. Yeah, it's interesting though, isn't it? Uh-huh. Because it, it is one of those. And I think... That's kind of forcing ourselves out of the mindset of realizing, oh, okay, here is a new 1176. Let's get that one, right? Or let's get whatever new shiny EQ there is, right? Well, what is the difference really that big from the EQ that you're using? So instead of, okay, well, I got to boost a dB and a half on the high shelf instead of just a dB, you know, it's just a workflow thing. So I think it's interesting, but the the topic that I wanted to talk about here is the, the temptation of falling into the habit of just whenever we buy a new piece of gear, using just it because it's there, using it everywhere, where I think we always end up floundering doing that type of stuff. I don't disagree with you. So with that, let's move on to our Friday finds. Chris, what have you got for us this week? Well, this is a piece of gear that I have not had my hands on yet, but it's been all over the interwebs, and it looks pretty darn cool. Audience have released a new interface called the Evo 16, which is an 8-in, 8-out, plus... ADAT connectivity for less than 500 bucks. And by all accounts, that's a pretty good deal. That's And people say that they have really, really good converters and all this kind of stuff. So whenever you need more inputs and outputs, this looks like a pretty cool option because normally we would pay a fair bit more than that for that many in and outputs. So the Evo 16 is my find for this Friday. Yeah, what that do you commercial got for that you showed me was pretty cool. Right? And uh, some of the, you know, automatic gain functions and stuff, it sets the inputs and stuff. I, I don't know what kind of magic is going on there, but <laughs> be it looks pretty cool. It works. Yes, of course. Yeah. What about you? What do you got for us? I'm going with Universal Audio's new FX guitar pedals. They okay. have just announced a new, three new stomp boxes that go along with their previous three stomp boxes in a sense, because the previous three were actual guitar effects pedals. Right. And while these are still stomp boxes, they are guitar amp emulation stomp boxes, Mm. which is do pedals make stomp boxes that work in terms of sounding just like an amp? Maybe, maybe not. But they have three. They have one called the Classic American. They have one called the Sound of the British Invasion, or at least this is what I'm kind of getting the gathering of. And then they have the one that started it all. And my thought process on this is that the first Classic American one is the Fender 65 Reverb is my guess. Mm -hmm. The Ruby, which is the British one, I'm guessing is some sort of Vox recreation. 
You and, think, yeah. Yeah, and then I'm thinking that there's a second Fender, which is the Fender 55, which is the one they claim is the one that started it all. Is that correct? Basement, I don't know. Maybe? But, I don't know. Uh, I, no, it doesn't look like a basement because it has kind of an orangish color to it, so I'm assuming it's to mimic the tweed, uh, the orangish tweed that Fender used to have. I think it was Fender that had that. But yeah. I don't know. Didn't the basement, too, have that? Oh, the basement was silver. Yeah, Fender Basement was uh, Was it? Yeah. Anyway, those are the new effects pedals from Universal Audio, and that is my pick for this week, even though I haven't played with them yet. We actually both picked hardware units today. Yes, we did. Craziness. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. Doing so will get you weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips when they come out, and we'll make sure that you don't miss any future episodes of the podcast. Send us an email at GoldStarG. O-L-D-S-T-A-R at Inside the Recording Studio with the word gear. And you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to talk about in a future episode, contact us at the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. With that, I'll say see you next week. Have a good one, Jody. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody.